Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Hypno Dojo, a place of learning for practitioners and students of hypnotherapy. Get your black belts in all things hypnotherapy as we whip into shape your mindset, mastery, and marketing. Relax, enjoy, learn. Here's your sensei, Linda Campbell. Hi, and welcome to the Hypno Dojo. I am, as the man said, Linda Campbell. I am the president of the uh, Canadian Association of Counseling Hypnotherapists and Educators, and I run a school, the Horizon Center School of Hypnotherapy. And I'm excited to uh, do part two of an interview that was started last week. Uh, Last week I interviewed Oswaldo Delgado. (laughs) It's a different name every time I talk to you, Oz Delgado. Uh, He is a stage hypnotist turned hypnotherapist, and we were discussing the things that he had to change both professionally and personally while making the transition from stage to therapeutic uses of hypnosis. So some of the things that we talked about last time that I'll just briefly summarize, uh, having to do a whole different induction, one clearly that's more client-centered and where you're paying attention to the client, Uh, Having to use a different voice, we talked about when you're on stage, you have to have this loud voice that can be heard from the back of the room. Clearly not the kind of voice you want to be using with somebody in your hypnosis chair when you're working therapeutically. And even things as simple as really being aware of the client. Uh, In stage, you're not necessarily watching for little ab reactions, that sort of thing all of the time. Um, Your focus is, I would imagine, all over the place, your audience, what you're doing on stage. So it's a completely different focal point when you're working with someone one-on-one. And I want to get into, in in this conversation today, other changes that needed to be made professionally as well as personally in order to be able to do therapeutic work. So... Welcome, Oz, and thank you. Thank you for coming back again. No, and thank you for inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. It's great to have you here. So, so let's just jump right in. What else had to change for you in order to do therapeutic work? Well, being not judgmental <laughs> when it comes to to having a client in front of you, and you know, um, understanding where they are at, and actually analyzing and trying to understand the why they're going through what they're going. So I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Are you suggesting that prior to doing hypnotherapy training that you were judgmental? Very. Yeah. <laughs> very. <laughs> well, that's honest of you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, very, very judgmental and very, um, I don't know, I don't know what word to use, but it's like um, if someone came to me and said, you know what, I'm struggling with um, weight, I would have not at all about why this person is not losing weight or, you know. What would you have thought? Just eat properly it, and get on yeah, with it? Yeah, shut your mouth and... <laughs> shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. Wow. Uh, shut your mouth and lose some weight. <laughs> Do some exercise. So I'm assuming that this is not what you're saying to a weight loss client when you've got them in the chair no. or when you're doing <laughs> an interview. No. Phew, thank goodness. So tell me, okay, so in the past you would have just been said, you would have just said or thought, with eating and you'll yeah, I wouldn't have not said anything, right? I, I mean, I wouldn't have not been rude and say anything. But your internal voice. But my internal voice would have been like, yeah, you're, you are fat, 
because you're not exercising or because you're not eating properly or because you're eating too much. Okay. So where where does your mind go now instead of this kind of pat answer, well, just consume fewer calories. Now what kind of thoughts would you have? I wonder. <laughs> I wonder why you're not losing weight. I wonder what is it that you have gone through that has not allowed you to feel comfortable with your body and that no matter what you do, um, you can't take away that weight and you've tried everything, quote unquote, and you have had no results. So let's work on that. So yeah, it, it has changed a lot the way in the way I think and perceive myself and other people, people around me, right? Can you do you know what it was that caused that change to occur? Was it was it a specific moment? Was it a gradual thing over time? Was it something that came up in training? Can you? I, I think uh, I don't think and can, can I can pinpoint an exact moment. I think it was mostly gradually, um, like realizing. Because again, like I said last time, I had to learn a lot of things when, when I started that course, and I think that what was happening was that when I was as I was unlearning, I was learning. So then I had this um, internal refurbishment or internal <laughs> upgrade on trying to understand stuff. And when I was in class, uh, there was a situation with one of my classmates. Uh, we were doing sessions uh, amongst each other, and uh, I didn't prepare for my session. I didn't uh, do the, the necessary work. And that day, it was like... Um, I realized how important it is to be prepared and to actually understand what the person in front of you is, is feeling and thinking. And so what were you thinking going into that session without having prepared? Were I'm going to nail it. How, how, would, how would you have nailed it? Just give them suggestions around it? No, I, I, had, I had an idea, but I never thought it would be. Um, and just in my defense, it was... Early in the course, this was not like two, two months ago or three months ago. Um, no, basically, it was like, okay, I know what's going on, uh, and that was it. Like, I think, I think it was a struggle between my stage hypnosis ego. You know, I've been doing hypnosis for all this time, and I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I know what I'm doing. Yeah, so doing hypnosis is quite yeah. different from doing hypnotherapy. Oh, yeah. Sure, you could walk into any room and put somebody into hypnosis, mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean you know what to do or say once they're there yeah. in order to resolve their problem. Yeah, now, definitely. Yeah. Yes, I remember that day vividly. I remember coming in on the conversation you were having with your classmate where mm -hmm. she was saying, you know, I took a lot of time to prepare for you, and I'm mm -hmm. disappointed that you didn't put thought into what it was I was working on, and mm -hmm. I kind of pulled you aside and gave you a similar chat that, yeah. you know, th if this is how your business looks, you're not going to get return right. clients, right? You've got to right. take some time to consider and think about what that person is struggling with and what can you do. So I'm glad to hear that that's it's shifted for you. Yeah, a lot of things, yeah, and, and empathy. Like, when, you were a, when you're a stage hypnotist, I'm not saying that you don't have empathy for anyone, but it's not the same thing. You're not thinking about the personal problems or, or what people are, you know, struggling or going through when you are doing such hypnosis show. So, when you when you realize that um, when you realize or real understand.
understand the power of hypnosis to help someone, uh, that's when things uh, start shifting, right? And yeah, it's it's, uh, it's kind of hard to put into words, but basically it was a gradual thing, going from being the sole owner and producer and everything of a show and being on stage and and making people do what I wanted them to do to shift your attention to little details, right? Like how are they reacting? How are they breathing? Are they relaxed or not they relaxed? Are they getting are they going in hypnosis? How how deep are they? Are they accepting your suggestions? Are they reacting to what you're saying? So so it's very different. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, we were talking last time about your perception of hypnotherapy before you ever did the training, that you just basically are going to suggest away the person's symptoms. But, in fact, the way that I teach is very not oh, no. that approach. Yeah, totally um, not, yeah. So, and, and I think that the way I teach is also different than what a lot of people are learning out there. So it's not just... Yeah. You have the wrong idea. I think a lot of people have the wrong idea, including, I'm going to say, a whole lot of trainers who are still teaching people how to read scripts. Yeah. Um, I actually have had a couple students take my training who had trained elsewhere, and uh, they, they came to what I called a basic workshop, and afterwards they pulled me aside and said, this isn't basic to us. We weren't taught any of this. We weren't taught how to even write our own material. We were taught that go Google whatever the person's problem is. You'll find a script online, print it off, solution, right, um, which horrifies me. So there's a real misunderstanding, I think, and again, this isn't about you, it's I think how people are training and how it's perceived by the general public that basically what we're doing is just suggesting away a person's symptoms. So sure, you don't really have to do a lot of preparation. Your client, you know, is sleeping poorly. You just tell them to sleep better. What yeah. kind of preparation do you need to do None. there? Right. right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and not only that, it's, it's also... Um, the, the way that you deliver those suggestions, right? Because even if you decide to give a client suggestions, um, you're not going to bark them. <laughs> you're not going to bark them, bark them. To bark them. them. Bark yes. them, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, don't bark at your clients. You don't bark at your clients. <laughs> and, uh, and, and also, if, and if, and if, uh, I didn't understand what, like, hypnotherapy was and how your approach to hypnotherapy was. But also the important thing here is that once you start learning hypnosis and, and, and uh, hypnotherapy and the way you are teaching it, you get this uh, knowledge block, I call it, that you start wanting to learn more and more and more and more and more. And that's not the case with other trainings, right? You don't get that knowledge but because you don't need it. You just have to read scripts, right? There are people actually renting office space, and they say you can rent office space, and it includes a huge shelf uh, with scripts for, for your, every need you might have. So. <laughs> okay, so there might be people listening who are going, well, that sounds amazing, an office with scripts. That's horrible. So, okay, so you've taken the training. You, look, yeah. you, can, you can compare... Um, the training you've taken to what you thought you were going to be learning coming into the class. Can you 
without giving away any of my trade secrets, can you explain a little bit for, for maybe there's hypnotists out there right now or hypnotherapists who are like, what's the problem with that? Okay, I'll use an example of, of one of my one of my clients. Uh, so she comes to me and she tells me that she had uh, some hypnotherapy sessions like five years ago to deal with depression. Um, she had results that lasted her for like two months. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, um, totally disappointed at, at the results she had. So when we're in the consultation, I'm talking to her, she, say, she tells me that, and then I start, instead of addressing the symptoms, I start addressing what is causing the, her depression and start doing all of that. By the, and this, this was a girl that was really depressed. Uh, you could see it in her, like the way she was dressing, no makeup, her hair was a mess. Three sessions in, her hair was done, wearing makeup, dress, dress, dressing nicely, and starting to date. So, <laughs> Okay, so if it wasn't just suggesting away her no. depression, can you give us a little kind of teaser or hint to what needed to be addressed in this case in order for you to get those results? Well, at, at, at the end, we had to address uh, stuff that happened when she was a girl. She was five years old. Um, stuff around her family, uh, family mechanics, um, her father, and and it was really deep work, and it's not uh, just dealing with the symptoms, right? It's not it's not a band aid. <laughs> Yeah. It's not a band-aid. Yeah, so the approach yeah. that I take is based loosely on cognitive behavioral therapy. There mm -hmm. are events that occur in our lives. It's not the events that cause us our problems because we all experience breakups and disappointments and, you know, losing somebody or something we wanted. It's what we tell ourselves about that. It's the meaning we attach mm -hmm. to them. It's the, it's the story we make up in our heads about what those things are about. Um, how do these pivotal events in our lives change our worldview, change our belief about ourselves, change our beliefs about others? And instead of just suggesting away a symptom, it's really about working on altering that belief system again. Um, for example, I had a client who came for smoking, and uh, he told me he started smoking when he was 27, 28, which seemed really late in life to start smoking. Yeah. So I'm asking questions about what was going on at the time. He told me that he had his first real job, Everybody there smoked, so it was a way to bond with his coworkers. It was a way to deal with stress. So I'm working that angle, and uh, nothing changing. So a couple sessions in, we do a little uncovering work to find out what was really going on. And as it turns out, he had shot a friend of his while they were hunting that year. Um, the guy didn't die, but he spent five or six weeks in intensive care. And my client felt so distraught and guilty that he essentially started smoking to kill himself. Now, if I had just done the classic you've got great willpower and self-control, you are a non-smoker. I'm not even in the ballpark. I wasn't even in the ballpark talking about stress management and not needing to smoke to fit in. What he actually needed to work on was his guilt around this, this you know, near death that he'd caused. Um, so there's sometimes, like, unconscious. The guy didn't realize. So ironically, this person was still in his life. They were still buddies. There was no bad blood between them. He never thought to tell me about that event because he really had no idea it was still having some kind of an impact on him that, or that it was even related to his smoking. So it's not as though the client withholds necessarily, but they may not know all the moving pieces that are contributing to or causing whatever symptom they come in. So, I mean, I could have done 
a thousand sessions on you don't need to smoke to fit in or you have excellent willpower, but if I'm not even talking about the right topic, right, there's no incentive for the subconscious to change. I'm, I'm yammering about something that's totally irrelevant. Nothing happens from that. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 the, and, the, import, and the interesting part of this is that, yes, uh, most hypnotherapists nowadays, that's what they do. They just offer a Band-Aid solution to their, to their client's uh, situation. And yes, they, they have results, but the results don't last because the subconscious mind at the end will go back to its usual um, process. So that was one of the things I had to change. I had to go to, to learn to understand and have that curiosity and have that um, um, wanting to know more, wanting to know where things are coming from. And I think that's, uh, that was one of the most important things that I had to unlearn and when I was doing stage hypnosis, because when I was doing stage hypnosis, there was no need for me to know anything about anyone. Yeah. At all. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think, so I brought, I don't know if this was your class or which class it was in, but I bring people in to do demonstrations. And uh, one of the women that I brought in, I didn't know this, but she had been to two other hypnotists before she came to see me. She had been a client of mine. And uh, she said she went in for weight loss, and this is somebody with significant weight to lose, probably could lose a couple hundred pounds, if not more than that. And she said the interview was basically the hypnotist saying, what do you want to work on? And she said, weight loss. And he said, okay, get in the chair. And I was so (laughs) horrified, shocked, Mm -hmm. disgusted, like, you know, fill in the blank when I heard that because my way of thinking is if somebody's coming in with 200 pounds to lose, I've got... Four million questions. Um, you know, where did this begin for them? What was yeah. going on in their life? You know, what what positive association do they have to hanging on to weight? What negative association is there to letting it go? What's going on in the deeper mind? I don't understand, and I have just um, I'm just horrified by hypnotherapists who aren't taking any kind of background or history from the client. Just puts them in the chair and does a you know, standard, there is no, I guess that's the point, there is no standard script, there is no standard weight loss approach, or there shouldn't be. If you're using the same thing for every client, you're not finding out about the history or the background, you're doing it wrong, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and the, and the problem mostly is that, of course, people, people don't know what a good hypnotherapy session looks like or feels like or the results it, it, it gives them. So, considering that, of course, when people go to quit smoking and the hypnotherapist uh, tells them, you don't smoke, you don't like to smoke, the cigarette is horrible, they might not smoke for two or three days, but by the fourth day, they're going back to, to, to smoking. And then they, they, but the problem is that they, um, what's the word, they, of the, <laughs> The guilty part of this is a hypnotherapist, not hypnotherapist. Not, yeah. yeah. So when it doesn't work or the client goes back to smoking, then it's like, well, the client must not have really wanted to quit smoking yeah. that much. Yeah, I actually heard that same thing yeah. in the training that I took. Yeah. Um, I wasn't taught to uncover cause. It happened for me locally. Thank goodness I, I was so frustrated with a client not getting results that out loud while she was in hypnosis I expressed 
there's got to be a reason why you're not following my suggestions. And much to my surprise, my client started speaking and started telling me about a childhood experience she had that was related to the goal we were working on and explained why she was stuck. And I remember sitting there in my office with her in hypnosis, listening to her talking and going, oh, my God, I didn't even know this was possible. I didn't know people could talk to you. I didn't know they had all this insight inside them. I didn't know you could just ask that question and get an answer. Um, it changed the way that I work, and I'm so grateful that I, for whatever reason, followed that impulse to say something to her because I would, who knows, <laughs> there's a part of my brain stepping in, no, you wouldn't, but I'm like, maybe I would still be just giving them the direct suggestions, basically throwing some affirmations at them and then blaming them when it doesn't work. Um, I think if you're not getting results with the client and this is happening over and over, you're the common denominator. You've got to look at your approach to it. You know, is there something about the hypnosis that you're doing incorrectly? Is there something about... Uh, you know, how you're addressing a client's particular goal. If you're having client after client after client not get results, it's not the client's. Yeah, exactly. But people don't know that, right? Well, now they do. (laughs) (laughs) People don't know that, right? And not only that, um, the hypnotherapist is also not trained to deal with that stuff. So at the end, he blames everything on the client and not on his lack of knowledge or her lack of knowledge. So what would you, to somebody who is making the transition like you did from stage to therapy, what words of advice would you give them? What do you think the most important things are for somebody to know? Okay, first of all is um, recognize that what you know about hypnosis is just like the tip of the iceberg. You just know hypnosis to do what you want to do, in this case, entertain an audience have a show. Secondly is you need to read a lot. You need, you need to inform yourself of, 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 all, of, 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 of a wide variety of things and, and be open to learn because most of the hypnotists you'll see around are really cocky because they know they can do something that most people don't know how to do. And that gives uh, that called what we hold that we call it the wish doctor syndrome, right? That they believe that they are the best, or that they know everything they 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 have to know, and it's not true. So they, uh, my advice would be, first of all, find a, a, a training that really teaches you how to do effective hypnotherapy and not just read scripts. Because most trainings, that's what they teach you. They teach you to read scripts. They teach you that if the script doesn't work the first time, do it again the second time. If it doesn't work the second time, do it a third time. And that's not right. That's not, that's not how, hyp- how hypnotherapy should be working, right? On the other hand, with a system like the one, you, you, your, your protocols, um, what you teach you have results from the first session. That is true. Yep. And, and you end up having a client getting the results date or achieving their goal three sessions. Or. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want to make it sound like 
you know, this is magic. There no, no, but it's the way you're doing it. Yes. It's the way you're addressing uh, their issues. It's the way you are asking the questions you're asking. It's the way you're understanding the client. It's the way you are investing yourself in your client to, to give them, again, it's giving them a, a solution and not just a Band-Aid thing, right? Not just sweet covering yeah. the symptoms and, nah, you're fine, don't worry, nothing will happen, yeah. right? And on the other hand, too, it's like uh, one of the, and I think I mentioned this to you before, is it's not only the hypnosis part, because it's also the therapy side, the, the, the talk therapy that you learn when you're doing this the right way. Yeah, well, you talk about results fading. Mm-hmm. When, when you've addressed the appropriate thing that needs to be addressed, the results shouldn't fade. Yeah. Um, this fellow who I mentioned earlier for smoking, if if I hadn't figured out what was really going on underneath his smoking, then if he had gotten some kind of result at all, yeah, chances are it's going to wear off because if he's still feeling guilty and he still feels like he doesn't deserve to live, then and that's not shifted in him, then either the smoking's going to come back or there's going to be some other behavior that's a, that's a result of feeling guilty, it's a result of not feeling you deserve to be around. But once that piece is addressed, it's done, right? Yeah. If, if your results are fading with a client, then there's still more work to be done yeah. because it should be permanent. Um, I use the analogy of a, a pie chart with a lot of my clients, with my students. You've heard me talk about this before, uh, you know, that there can be many different contributing factors. There could be one. I had a, a the smoking client, for example, that I'm talking about. <laughs> he started smoking because he felt guilty. There weren't all kinds of other reasons why he started smoking. However, I've had some clients who there can be many different contributing factors to whatever their problem is. And if I've addressed one that represents, you know, 5% of what's going on, then the results are going to wear off after a while because there isn't enough that's been addressed in order for those results to be stable. But if I'm addressing 95% of what's going on, I've covered different contributing factors, then that's a solid enough result for it to last over time. So, you know, for hypnotherapists out there who are saying, well, my, you know, things fade after a little while, that's normal. No, it's not normal. It means you're missing a big chunk of what's actually going on for the client. You've got to dig, dig a little bit deeper. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's something, that's, and I think that's one of the most important things that I learned um, here. And that opens up a lot of personal growth, too. Mm. Have you started self-examining more? Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, so tell me about that. And one yeah. of the things I kind of pride myself on in this course is it's not just a theoretical course where you're going to come and learn about hypnosis and then you'll be able to go and apply it to other people. I want my students to be self-examining. I yeah. want them to be aware of what their own psychology looks like, uh, yeah. you know, what their triggers are, what their belief system are, uh, you know, what pivotal events they've had in their life that are still impacting on them so that when they're working with clients, they can separate out their own stuff from what's going on with the client. Yeah, yeah. I was talking to, to a couple of my classmates uh, a few weeks back, and I was telling them, like, if you look right now where you are today and you look back at who you were a year ago, that's when you notice how much you've grown and changed and how much you've learned and how much you have learned to self-examine and self, you know, understand where you're coming from, where your triggers are, why are you having those triggers, Um 
So yeah, it's 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 amazing, and it's scary too. Can you so, share a little bit about something you may have learned about yourself? I know I'm like, quick. We've got two minutes. Yeah, Tell uh, me all your deep, insightful thoughts about. No, well, well uh, for the for, for for the most part, um, I learned that I was a very um, self-centered, selfish hypnotist, and I was not. <laughs> worried or concerned about anyone going in hypnosis uh, while I was uh, doing my my, my induction. Um, because of the way I grew up, how I was raised and my family trauma, <laughs> um, I grew up with a lot of wrong messages, right? Like I uh, stuff like, I don't have to ask for help for anything. I am the man, right? And 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 during this course, during this this whole process, and uh, one of the things I talked to uh, to a psychologist about two weeks ago was that uh, when we're training, we do sessions amongst ourselves because you cannot do hypnotherapy, you cannot give hypnotherapy if you haven't dealt with your own stuff too. So that I think that's one of the most important parts: yeah. self growth. I mean, we're all going to have. We, yeah. we don't reach a point where somebody's stamp, you know, finished on yeah, their no, forehead never. and we're good. No. Um, but you certainly shouldn't be working on a client with an issue that you're still struggling yeah. with. If, if you have social anxiety and you haven't worked your way through that, you probably should have social anxiety. You know, you've got to be on the other side of it, in, in which case you have tons of experience and resourcefulness, you know, understanding that the average person doesn't have um, – but the, the ability to look within and understand what's still active within you and do your own work, I think, is essential to working with other people. How can we expect our clients to, you know, step up and do their work when we ourselves have not? Exactly. That just goes by so fast. <laughs> Maybe we'll do a part three. We'll talk and see if we, yeah. if we can drain more information out of, out of you. So thank you so much for coming back. Well, thank it's you really for fun me. to chat like with you. It, yeah. And uh, thank you out there for tuning in. Okay, take one. <laughs> with corrections with Campbell. With Campbell. Campbell. The, the, okay. Get your black belt in all things hypnotherapy and leather blood. <laughs>